The markets are mixed as the economy recovers. What's going on with uranium and nuclear energy? And let's dig into Roku in this episode of the Running With The Money podcast. Welcome back. It's a Wednesday and the market's well not doing much with the Dow Jones down 71 points today. NASDAQ up 18 points, S&P 500 down four points and the VIX well dropping 2.04%. So overall, kind of a flattish day with some smaller growth names getting a bump. The consumer cyclicals getting a bump, uh, some consumer or communication services getting a bump. You see the Facebook, Airbnb, Snap, so on getting bumps there. Pinterest as well. Square. PayPal, fintech, the growthy growth, getting a boost today. Meanwhile, the big mega names such as the Apple, the Microsoft, the Google, Amazon falling, the consumer defensives falling, um, even some of the industrials falling back once again, Boeing, Honeywell, 3M, GE selling off, utilities selling off, real estate mostly selling off, especially in that telecommunications area, telecom services selling off. So the day, we kind of got a lot of mixed action across the board, not really a leader in the market, overall just very much mixed action. Now, um, the NASDAQ did edge out, so tech obviously on a broader base slightly outperformed um, your normal consumer cyclical names or your cyclicals, your industrials, etc., etc. But shifting into the biggest analyst calls of the day, we got a few significant ones. Wells Fargo reiterating Netflix as overweight, and I 100% agree with this call. If you take a look at Netflix, Yes, um, they are one of the leaders in the streaming space right now. I believe they continue will continue to be. Actually, there was a, a few analysts out this morning saying that they need to get into the ad space because there's not really any advertising on Netflix. And if they allowed advertising um, or they at least offered a version that had advertising, um, analysts argue that it would give a huge boost to the numbers. But Netflix simply won't do it. They say they'll lose subscribers over it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But I like Netflix. Management is excellent. Very much I would long Netflix. Now, Telsey reiterated Amazon as overweight. I 100% agree with this one as well. I took a look at Amazon. It's an excellent company. Management is very reliable. The financials, rock solid. Balance sheet, rock solid. Furthermore, you know, e-commerce has a huge runway. AWS, not to mention, continues to land major contracts. I really like Amazon all around. They're in cloud. They're in software. They're in e-commerce. Um, and I really, they're the best of all tech worlds, in my opinion. Um, they're very techy, but they're also involved in that retail space. So I very do much do like Amazon solid fundamentals over there at that company. Uh, Goldman Sachs reiterating Micron as a buy. Another semiconductor catching an upgrade. I think the semiconductors are undervalued. I would once, I would definitely take a look at Micron. Um, I only worry about Micron is that there are a lot of other very, very solid semiconductor names that I think you should go after instead. For instance, AMD, it's only up 9% in the last three months. Now, yeah, Micron is down, but AMD is, is in my opinion, a much better company on a fundamental basis than Micron. Um, I mean, you take a look at Taiwan Semi, it's only up 6%. Qualcomm's only up 6%. Those are phenomenal, phenomenal um, names over there in the semiconductor space. Um, especially in just the past month, if we take a look at semiconductors, some of them getting a boost, but not many. Um, and you see Qualcomm and Taiwan Semi and Broadcom 
and AMD and Texas Instruments um, all mostly flat in the past month. Uh, Micron also down. So definitely some areas to take a look at. Micron is a solid company, but I'd buy NVIDIA or AMD before I went and bought Micron. Now, Telsey also had another call today, and they reiterated Peloton as outperformed. Now, I know, I know, some of you really do like Peton, Peloton. I call it Peton because that's a ticker, P-T-O-N. Um, it's all the way down to 117 now, way off its highs of over 160. I do not know what people were thinking, buying it at 168. Um, it's priced to earnings still 175.47 times. I take a look at Peloton's valuation, and I frankly find it... Um, quite ridiculous. You know, they traded a forward PE of 230 times, price to book of 17 times, uh, price to sales of nearly 10 times. I mean, the company is extremely valued. And yes, they do have their memberships and their subscribers, but I argue that their core product is their treadmills and, you know, their bikes and all of their actual gear. And at the end of the day, they're best-selling product or their most popular product, the bike, is a, is a stationary bike with an iPad strapped to it. And yeah, that's the future, but they have plenty of co competitors in the space, and I really don't see Peloton as a tech play. It's not a tech play. I'm sorry. Um, it has some tech in there, definitely, but I don't see it as a year-over-year -year 90%, 50%, even, heck, 20% um, revenue growth year-over-year -year for the next 10 years type of name. I don't see that. Um, so, in my opinion, I like... Peloton for the very long term. I think it's a solid company, but I wouldn't be expecting the numbers that they were kicking out during the pandemic. So definitely mute your expectations or bring those expectations within range um, prior to looking at Peloton. But on a technical basis, it's approaching or it seems to be approaching a resistance um, right around or a common zone that the stock has trended at um, right around $120 per share. If it breaks up over $120 per share, it could retest some highs here or recent highs right around 140. And then the next higher uh, level that I see is right between 150 to 160. So there definitely is um, some zones there that the stock could catch, especially if it gets back into that bullish uh, mode. Um, but at the end of the day, I think Peloton got quite a bit ahead of itself. Um, fundamentally, solid company, but I definitely would take a look and determine if you really want to be in an exercise bike company with a subscriber portion that is growing quickly, but I don't think you can rely on that um, for the very long term. I don't think it's going to grow like a Netflix is going to grow. Completely different business, but they both have subscriber growth and subscriber count, um, and I don't think you're going to see the same type of growth. Definitely not. Now, shifting into an individual name, uh, you have Roku, and we're going to talk about Roku because it's one of those streaming names that I don't think gets enough love, but I would say it's in the top five streaming names that you need to take a look at. Now, Roku, ticker symbol R-O-K-U, is a major TV streaming platform that provides customers with the platform and hardware to access a huge multitude of content. Roku has become a company of focus given the massive rise in streaming amongst consumers, especially throughout the pandemic. A lot of people, they were stuck at home and they were streaming content through their television. Um, and well, Roku got a boost from that. Netflix got a boost. All of the streaming companies got a boost from that. 
Now, a lot of these streaming plays have pulled back significantly in recent months, Roku being one of them. Just a few weeks ago, this stock was all the way down to under $300 per share off highs of over $450 per share. Now, it's all the way back to 423 It went up 5% today nearly, and it continues to move. Is it going to go back to those all-time highs of 470 Who knows? The way it's going right now, it very well could. Now, according to management, um, they also just closed on an acquisition of Nielsen in their AVA business. Now, uh, management noted that the acquisition will accelerate the company's end-to-end DAI solutions. And furthermore, the company also unveiled Roku Originals. Now, Roku Originals will bring fresh entertainment to the Roku platform. This is very similar to what Netflix and Apple do. They create their own co- uh, content and they drop it exclusively on their own streaming platforms. It's a very good business move. Now, leadership noted that the content from the Quibi acquisition, so earlier in the year they acquired Quibi, um, and they got quite a bit of content from that acquisition, um, and that that content will be rebranded under the Roku Originals titles. In fact, it was. Now, since the release of Roku Originals, the exception of, or the way it has been accepted um, has gone quite well. In fact, according to the company, uh, the Roku Originals releases reached 70 million people across the U.S. in Q1 alone. Stunning numbers there. It was a record two-week streaming period for the company on the Roku Originals released. So, release. So a lot of people pumped up about the Roku Originals content and it's definitely working in so far. Now, Roku was led by CEO and founder Anthony Wood, who founded Roku in 2002. Wood and other leadership members boast experience from the likes of Netflix, Disney, Sling Media, Stryker, Starbucks, Microsoft, and so many more companies that are very, very successful. Now, digging into the numbers, Roku beat Q1 2021 expectations with an EPS of 54 cents, and that's much better than the analyst EPS consensus estimate of negative 13 cents that they expected in Q1. Now, on a year-over-year basis, EPS improved by 220%. Pretty strong number there. Now, revenues improved significantly as well, with Q1 total revenue landing at $574.2 million. Now, on a year-over-year basis, total net revenues expanded by 79%, but it gets better. Breaking down revenues, the platform segment turned out $466.5 million in net revenues, representing a 101% increase on a year-over-year basis. Furthermore, the player segment delivered $107.7 million in revenues, representing a 22% improvement on a year-over-year basis. And, you know, the numbers continue to get better. If we shift in the profits, Roku delivered $326.8 million in gross profit throughout Q1 of 2021, representing a 132% improvement in gross profit alone. Now, for reference, the Q1 2020 gross profit level was $141.1 million. So it went from $141.1 million to $320. 26.8 million dollars and that's gross profit alone that's it that's just gross profit now sifting through roku's profits the platform segment delivered 311.9 million dollars in gross profit while the player segment derived 14.8 million dollars in gross profit that means that the platform segment delivered a 139% increase in gross profit while the player segment delivered a 42% increase in gross profit very strong numbers. Now, if we shift into margins, margins, they also impressed. In my, oh my, they impressed big time. On the margins front, total gross margin increased by a whopping 1,290 
basis points to 56.9%. Now, if we break that down segment by segment, the player segment, well, their gross margin increased by 1,070 basis points to 66.9%. Meanwhile, the player segment delivered a gross margin of 13.8%, representing a 190 basis point improvement on a year-over-year basis. Now, if we shift into income, which is very important, Roku delivered a solid $75.8 million in income from operations throughout Q1. And that's a big time improvement over the loss from operations of negative $55.2 million in Q1 of 2020. So a huge year of year improvement on the income from operations front. Now, adjusted EBITDA, we all look at EBITDA, improved significantly as well, uh, jumping from negative $16.3 million in Q1 2020 to $125.9 million in Q1 of 2021. So it just did going from a big time negative to a big time positive. Love to see it. Now, concluding the quarter, we have to talk about users and accounts. Active accounts expanded by 35% year over year to 53.6 million active accounts. At the end of Q1, Roku users streamed a sizable 18.3 billion hours in content, representing a 49% jump in hours of content streamed. Lastly, average revenue per user, which is a very important metric for these streaming companies, ARPU, increased by 39% year-over-year, or I take that back, 32% year-over-year, still amazing, to a much stronger $32.14 per user. I mean, you can't beat these numbers. That was a fantabulous, yeah, I just said fantabulous, it was a fantastic quarter. Um, I mean, just a very solid quarter there for Roku. Now, leadership, they're not done being bullish. They're not done growing this company. In fact, they expect Q2 revenues to land within a range of 610 to $620 million. The company is also expect, expecting a total gross profit of 295 to $305 million for the second quarter. Now, if we shift into the balance sheet, the numbers are solid there as well. With total debt, $94 million. Meanwhile, Liabilities, just over $1.046 billion, but this is where it gets good. Total assets, $3.487 billion, with a cash and short-term investments level of $2.078 billion. So plenty of cash, plenty of assets to outweigh those liabilities and debt. I like to see it. Now, the valuation, it is a bit stretched on Roku. I mean, the price to earnings, 495 times. A forward price to earnings of right around 375 times. A price to sales of around 26 times. A price to book around 22 times. A price to cash flow around 147.07 times. But with the massive growth that we just saw in Q1, and that is expected to continue, they're expected to continue significant growth as the streaming industry continues to boom, you could possibly see an argument to say, you know, yeah, it's justified. Roku's stock price, um, you can justify its price given the future growth that is expected and we're likely going to see. In my opinion, there's an argument there. Now, management has been effective with a return on equity of 7.28%, a return on assets of 4.51%, and a return on invested capital of 5.63%. Now, given the numbers, the analysts, they're bullish with a mean price target of $446.81 per share, and it gets, it gets better. High price target, $560 per share, and the low, just $300 per share. So overall, the analysts are quite bullish here on Roku. Now, the big money is quite involved as well, with 67.39% of Roku being owned by institutions. Top holders include Fidelity Management and Research, the Vanguard Group, and the ever-so-loved ARK Investment Management. Now, if you want a technical breakdown of Roku, go to runningwiththemoney.com under the Analysis tab. You know what to do. 
Go to the analysis tab. You get all of our breakdowns completely free. Click on the one you want. Scroll down. Bingo. You'll get all of this information as well as the technical breakdown. Phenomenal. Now, currently investors are fearing a user slowdown. Given the fact that now everyone wants to go places. They want to go on vacation. They want to go to Florida. If they're up north, they want to go north. If they're down south, they want to travel the world. They want to see things. They want to go to Europe. They want to watch a race instead of just sitting at home watching something on TV. I understand it. I do too. I want to travel. I want to go places. So investors, they're kind of fearing a Roku slowdown here. I really don't think you're going to see it. I think people are going to continue to consume as much content as they have been. Um, and I just think the content consumption is going to continue to increase as more and more digital content and more and more digital entertainment becomes popular and more of that physical entertainment becomes less popular. Now, in short, Roku, ticker symbol ROKU, is a strong streaming play with consistently expanding revenues, improving margins, a growing user base, solid balance sheet, and a reliable management team. Now, shifting into another name, and we're going to brief over it, and we're going to brief more over the argument for it and its industry. And this is Cameco Corporations, otherwise known as Cameco. Now, they're a large nuclear fuel company that focuses on producing uranium for the nuclear energy industry with operations spanning worldwide and business strategy stemming from uranium exploration to manufacturing. The company is a leader within that industry. But why is that industry a focus? Why do why could there why do investors possibly see opportunity in Cameco, a company that goes after uranium? Well, let me explain it to you. Taking a look at the world at the moment, what is a major I would say topic. What is a major argument? What is a war the world is attempting to fight? That is the war on climate change. And climate change has become a very serious topic and people are taking it seriously. And there is this major shift to clean energy, a push for more efficient, clean energy that doesn't emit as much CO2. That's understandable. Now, you take a look at all of the form forms of energy and well guess what nuclear energy is not only one of the cleanest but one of the most efficient in fact nuclear energy is also very efficient and produces energy at a much larger capacity than other forms of energy according to the office of nuclear energy nuclear energy has the highest capacity factor of all energy forms currently sitting at 92.5 percent that's the capacity factor now we're not done there. Rounding out the demand aspects of uranium and nuclear power, the World Nuclear Association predicts that global nuclear energy capacity will meet 475, um, I would say it's gigawatts, it's GWE um, by 2030 and 715 GWE by 2050. Big time numbers, especially given that we're just 392 GWE today. Now, if you take a look at how clean nuclear energy is, it's actually a very clean form of energy, one of the cleanest out there. If you take a look at forms of energy, for instance, coal, or you take a look at, I mean, what else is out there? Oil, gas, you actually see the fact that clean energy really falls down to solar, wind, um, hydro, and which are all not too efficient. And then you have nuclear, which is very clean. It cuts way down on CO2 emissions. The only downside is, is you do have that nuclear byproduct, but not that much at all. You can fit it in a very small space. You can hide it under a mountain and you don't have to worry about it. It's just going to stay there and decay. So at the end of the day, a lot of people, a lot of major people are arguing, billionaires, very smart people, major companies are arguing that nuclear energy is the direction the world in this country needs to go to not only 
lessen those emissions on the energy front, but increase our energy capacity because the population is increasing so quickly. Well, guess what, guys? We are definitely going to need more energy, and that is where nuclear energy will come in handy. It's extremely clean, and it generates a crap ton of power. Now, digging into the slight numbers of Cameco, they're not the best. They saw declines in EPS. They saw declines in revenues and profits. They saw declines pretty much all around. They reported losses. Not the best. Their cash holdings declined. I mean, really, the financials and the fundamental financials behind Cameco, at least in the last quarter, were very, very weak. But management is solid. They're reopening. And due to COVID-19, the energy demand declined. So a lot of these nuclear power plants lessened their energy output, therefore needing less fuel and therefore less business for Cameco. Therefore, you get the financial declines that they have seen in the past year. So there could be a bounce back in Cameco. It's definitely one to watch. The balance sheet really is a very solid balance sheet. That's one financial positive about the company. Total debt, $1 billion. Total liabilities, $2.45 billion. Total assets, $7.425 billion. And a cash to short-term investments level of $1 billion. On a valuation basis, it trades at roughly 108 times for price to earnings. Um, rough price to sales of around six times, a price to book around 1.5 times, and a price to cash flow right around 50 times. So it does trade as a significant premium. Meanwhile, management, they could be more effective. Um, all of those management effectiveness ratios are sitting in the negative. Return on equity, um, just about negative 1%. Return on assets, negative 0.52%. Uh, return on invested capital, negative 0.54%. So management has some work to do. They need to get those earnings back. But management, they were upbeat about the company. They said, quote, we are excited about the future of nuclear power generation, about the fundamentals of uranium supply and demand, and about the prospects of our company leadership said in the latest uh, report. Now, if you want a technical breakdown, you know what to do. We talked about it, the big money. Well, they're quite involved with Cameco with 60.93% of the company being owned by institutions. So in short, Cameco, ticker symbol CCJ, it's definitely one you should do more research on, is a solid long-term play on nuclear energy, but must deal with the negative effects of the COVID-19 pandemic and be patient with the slow growth of nuclear energy. Yeah, the nuclear energy growth is not going to be quick. The world needs to readapt nuclear energy. The world is going to need to realize that nuclear energy is the clear path to lessening those emissions um, and until that happens, you're going to see kind of weak growth in Cameco, I believe at least, because at the end of the day, what drives Cameco's um, demand is the growth or decline in the nuclear energy industry. So that's definitely something to pay attention to. Either way, this was another episode of the Running With The Money podcast. Before we go, let's take a look at a few opportunities. Fubo looks like it's breaking out. Definitely a company to research as well. Um, but we take a look at the overall market and there were some opportunities today, some possible places to buy in the markets. Um, I really liked the industrials today as opportunities. I see a 3M. I see a Honeywell. I see, I mean, a GE all declining today. I also saw, for instance, a Visa and a MasterCard declining. Those are recovery plays in the financial or the credit services space. I like them. Um, American Express is another name. AXP, barely edging out a gain. It's currently at 166. Definitely another company to take a look at. That is a 100% recovery, travel recovery play. Definitely take a look at that. Um, Bang, selling off today. Kind of flat. 
Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, all down. I would 100% buy any of the FANG stocks right now um, for the long term if you don't own any. Um, I look at a Salesforce. I see opportunity there currently trading at 241. I think it's just starting the breakout of that long-term downtrend, and I think it's definitely one to check out. I like Salesforce, um, and there's just so many phenomenal companies out there that I think continue to move to the upside. AMT is another one to take a look at, a real estate trust, and they're very much that 5G infrastructure, the towers and such, a company to take a look at there. Um, I look at the semiconductors. I see a Texas Instruments down. I see an AMD pretty much flat at Taiwan Semi, pretty darn flat, um, and Intel down at 1%, but I don't like Intel. I'd rather you buy AMD. Qualcomm, I mean, there's so many great companies down. Verizon, T-Mobile, Walmart. Home Depot, Starbucks, McDonald's. I mean, the list goes on and on. Phenomenal companies out there if you really search that are currently trending to the downside. But this was another episode. Thank you for listening. And I will see you on, of course, Friday. Until then, do the research, eat, sleep, profit, make some money in the markets, and invest for the long term. See you then.